A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby Austin far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 15-10-5 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska Thank you so much for joining us tonight everybody uh zach here joined by our fabulous co-host fitz how are you doing tonight friend um i'm doing i'm doing all right uh tired for some reason i don't know if it's because you're old the, the so i'm old and tired um right now um i, I just wanted to get that in 30 seconds in yeah it's you know let's let's just get through them all uh, let's mute him he's old what kind of music? No, you have no idea what kind of music that is. And on Kicker, and punter, on and on. Kickers, yeah, special too, teams. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. that's a great that question, was- Fitz. The same things we hear over and over on all of our recordings. So good job. The uh, devil's lettuce. <laughs> yeah, well, I've never heard Fitz say that one, but I'm sure he has. Every time he looks at you. Oh, that son of a bitch! I knew it. He just says it with his eyes. Yeah, he's got those eyes like a doll. Just he's dead. got those dead eyes. <laughs> can we uh, can we try, Zach? I don't know if this will work. Can we try to see if we can put the headset on Lil Red back there and see what type of podcast co-host he is? <laughs> I mean, we can give it a shot. It it, it, it can't be any worse, right? <laughs> Clearly Speaking better of- than fits well. <laughs> Speaking of that guy, Drake, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. I, uh, you know, 
been kind of thinking of uh, after last week, you know, we had three great guests. And this week, I, I kind of wanted to do something a little different with just us. And uh, I wanted to get the fans a little bit more involved, which I think you guys have been telling me to do for the last few weeks. So uh, I say we just answer a bunch of questions tonight. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. See where it see where it takes us. Exactly. There there were some really, really good ones that I'm actually really excited to answer. Um, before we, I guess, get into the questions, um, since this will be released tomorrow, the big news for the day, uh, Ashley Williams Jr., the edge rusher defensive end out of, I believe it's Zachary, Louisiana, has decommitted from the University of Nebraska. Um, I got caught looking like a fucking idiot this morning because i literally says about 15 minutes before he decommitted there's no way he decommits he just canceled his visit to auburn little did i know i could not have been more wrong so um you guys surprised by the news or what what do you what do you guys think about this what does this do to your (laughs) what were you saying i was just gonna ask zach before i was rudely interrupted what did what does this do to your uber star rating now um you know i'm not gonna take the blame on this one um i did take a little bit longer getting to the job site than i intended to so maybe it is my fault maybe uh maybe maybe this is on me sorry guys all right drake sorry go ahead i was i was just gonna say i'm not surprised uh what was surprised Rising to me is in his announcement he said un uncontrollable circumstances and loss of contact um to me when you get something like that where you're almost squarely putting it back on the staff as to why you're decommitting to me that's a bad look um now i'm not taking it i'm taking it with a grain of salt because i think that means lenhardt's signing right um, I just, to me, it's, it's not a good look that, that the staff kind of got laid out in that announcement. Yeah, it, it was, it was weird because it seemed like there was conflicting, conflicting things in there where it seemed like there was a lack of what I can't remember. What was it lack of communication or a miscommunication yeah. there? Lap, yeah. He used the word yeah, lapse. Okay. So to me, that's, that's, that's just such kind of a weird thing, especially with the staff, which has seemed to have been such good communicators. Um, yeah, relapse in communication, decommit and refocus at this time and open back up. Well, it's, I mean, I, he's going to go to Auburn now, right? I mean, there's no one well, else that, he's going to go to. All signs point that way. And, you know, I don't know the exact timeline, but it wasn't, you know, it was two weeks or less when, he, you know, posted that he was going to go and visit Auburn and fast forward to just this week now. And you have Oklahoma's coach talking about Brent Venables here, talking about recruiting and committed recruits visiting other schools. And his quote says, I know this, there's lots of flaws in taking a commitment, making a reservation, and then going doing your thing. How can I manage a roster or who else have I else who I have to offer if I've got nine guys committed, but they're going to um, insert Bama, Georgia, AM, other schools? Um, and he just kind of went on this rant and, and then even compared it to dating 
numerous women and, you know, and married and blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of went on and you kind of wonder where it came from. I don't know if it was if a question started it, but it, it, it does bring, bring that up. I know um, coaching staffs before have said, Hey, if you're committed to us, then there's no reason to take other visits. And some people, you know, got upset about that, you know, players, you know, all these things. So what, what do you guys think is the, is the right move here was, did Ashley Williams have, even though he was committed to Nebraska, do you care that he was going to go and visit Auburn again? Does it automatically just put up a red flag saying, hey, really, how committed committed are you? So, well, I, I wanted to bring this up because it's a beautiful you know, transition that, that we're going to do here. Uh, Jim in Minnesota brought this up because we were actually having the conversation earlier today. In Williams' own words, he used it as – to secure his spot in the, in the class, not that he was committed to Nebraska. He wanted to secure his spot. So I think he had that Nebraska as a spot, but Auburn was always his, his number one, if he got offered. So it sucks, but I'm, I'm, I would put it at 90 plus percent. He's gone. I don't, I don't know if Nebraska can do anything to keep him at this point. Well, he flipped from not flipped, but he was, I don't know how close he was to Minnesota. Then he, he commits to Nebraska and probably in the next few days, he's going to commit to, to Auburn. You know, we see that we haven't seen that lately. Um, obviously we haven't seen it with this staff. I don't think we'll see it as, as, as much, but uh, I think Drake's on right on though. When he says that it kind of points to, to Lenhart um, Noonan, he did his, he, in his interviews and things following his commitment uh, has said that the coaches told him that they're taking two ends uh, in their class, two edges in their class, and uh, he's one. Um, Williams would have been the other, but Lenhart, that traction was was really strong, and, and the the crystal balls were all kind of looking at Nebraska, and now we have this. So does that – I think Drake's on when he says that that probably means Lenhart's going to be a Nebraska commit. We just don't know when. And I don't want to go too down, too far down this next rabbit hole, but I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about with Venable's kind of rant. I think that's a terrible fucking look for a coach. Um, pardon my French, but these coaches, you know, you're recruiting backup guys for your commitment, right? You're recruiting backups. You're also recruiting guys that have already committed elsewhere. So if you're trying to be the quote unquote homewrecker, if you're talking about dating multiple women as your analogy, you're the multiple women in that scenario. You're recruiting kids who are already committed, and you're also recruiting kids to backfill your roster with, with other spots that you've had committed. And you're telling them, hey, hold on, you can't commit yet because we think we're getting this guy. Yeah, I think it's it, a bad look. It's not a good look. Um, and in and, and college sports, and especially in college football, it's a dirty game, and that's what we all need to be accustomed to. Recruiting is not a clean game. It's not a, hey, we're going to offer Johnny a scholarship. It's, hey, uh, I know you're committed here, but we might have something for you on the back end. Give us a, give us a week or so, but that we may have a scholarship open up. Recruiting has never been clean. I, I was Absolutely working a not. I was working a basketball camp in Northern Virginia in the summer of 2014. Kids could ask for, quote, unquote, extra pillows for the dorm that they were staying in. Division one staff member would bring somebody like me, a kid who was trying to get into coaching, a pillowcase, but inside that pillowcase was a suitcase. What the hell do you think's in that suitcase? It's not a fucking pillow. 
Was it close? Uh, no, I actually, I've actually heard um, it's never cash. It's usually prepaid visas. Why wouldn't they put it like in a billfold or a wallet then? Because it's enough for 50000 Am I missing the whole point of this conversation? Well, we're just talking. Oh, the suit. The, oh, I got you. So, okay. Got you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. The bag man, right? You were the yeah. bag man? I, I refuse to ever do it, but. Who, who said, and I don't want to, I don't want to put a name on it because I don't want to misquote somebody, but in a, in a recent conversation that either we've had or we heard that Williams's commitment and maybe it was Jim on that thread too. just talked about that. The coaches, somebody mentioned that the coaches really never had any fanfare. Vince uh, Gunta, you know, never even posted anything. So it was kind of like, it was at that point, almost kind of one-sided securing that spot. So the whole thing is just, is just kind of weird. Um, But yeah, it's, I think the staff kind of knew knew that when he committed to, and that's why they didn't blow it up. Yeah. Um, he he wanted to secure his roster spot at a Power Five school, and hopefully get an offer from Auburn. Yep, and and that's that's exactly what happened. So I mean, and I it, have no problem with that. Looking at looking at a player doing that. I mean, yes, no. it sucks to be on the losing end, but how many times have you accepted a job offer? but still kept interviewing for other jobs that, that were you had applied for. That's how you have to look at it. This is what they're at right now. If they can get a better offer, if someone's going to offer you $50,000 to do a job, then someone else is going to offer you a hundred thousand. Are you going to do the same fucking job for 50? Yeah. No, you're going to go for a hundred. I mean, yeah. it's common sense, but uh, we, we apparently change it when it gets to um, sports. And when Fitz takes his mistress out on the date, just because he pays the tab doesn't okay, mean whoa, 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 whoa. stop, 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 <laughs> stop, stop. Next Twitter question, Zach. Well, I'm so glad that this is Fitz's last podcast now. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke, everybody. <laughs> LOL, LOL. Um, let's see. Fitz's mistress is a mister by the name of Zach. <laughs> and I'm right here. Um, let's see. So this is a good one. Remaining recruiting targets. What we kind of kind of already talked about. Lenhart, I think, will be committing. Yeah, uh, when we talked to it about Munson, when when we talked to Munson about Lenhart, he was pretty sure about that one. So, um, do you think Oklahoma is going to have or Nebraska going to have any advantage against Oklahoma since they've got to play a Week Zero game? What do you guys think? Honestly, who- I, I think Week Zero puts us at a disadvantage. Yeah, I think it gives you that extra game, that extra pounding I, on the body. I only think week zero – I'm sorry, ask the question again. Do you think Nebraska will have an advantage against Oklahoma for playing a week zero game? Okay, for some reason I thought we were tying that into a recruiting thing. Um, no, I actually think that does give us an advantage. Well, there was a recruiting question, but we kind of already talked about it. Okay, so I'll answer both parts of the question. For, for recruiting, I think it gives us a disadvantage. Normally, it'd be an advantage, but we're playing overseas. We're not taking a recruit on an official visit to Ireland. So that's where it puts us at a disadvantage recruiting-wise. They can take me to Ireland as an official visitor. But um, game-wise, I think normally I would say no, it's not a huge advantage. This year, I think it is just because that offense has got to get those three games in before Oklahoma to have some continuity. 
before they go play Oklahoma, who by all accounts should be much improved defensively. We're waiting on you now, Fitzy. I was just, uh, you know, how about this? It depends on that game. I mean, if if things are humming along and 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 it looked they kind of looked locked in and dialed in, even in that first game, I think it's a it's a huge. We can say it's going to be a huge help when we get to that game. If it looks a little bit sluggish. You know, at the same time, though, that's one more. I don't care. It's one more game. And I I would like to believe that in the next two or in the next two games, there's going to be an opportunity where some guys can rest. You know, if that's what we're if that's what we're worried about. I think getting that extra game in, seeing kind of what's working, getting some consistency and rhythm, because there isn't anything that can that can manufacture the timing, uh, the preparation uh, the, the live act like a real game, uh, versus practice. So in that regard, it's, it's, uh, it's a plus one for Nebraska compared to Oklahoma. Who is your starting offensive line? Who, who asked this question? This is by speedster max. It's got a pup as the picture. Speed. Who is the, who's is your starting the offensive you line? Was a bot earlier in the week? Yes. No, this is a different one I was arguing with. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you called him a bot. Yeah, no, I did because right. that's how I deal with things in my life. All right, um, <laughs> man, I don't know, and you know we can throw out names. I don't think that's fair to throw out names because two of the most important guys that are going to factor into this miss spring ball entirely. Um, I don't think you're starting offensive line week zero is the same as the starting line offensive line week three. Um, it's such a tough question, especially with the late loss of Nuri Norelli. I think that changes up what they had planned to do even more. Um, I'll, I'll give you two. I think Corcoran starts at right tackle, Prohaska at left tackle, and Hickson at center. Sorry, I'll give you three. So you're up in the air on the guard spots. Yeah. And you know what? Let me Corcoran's starting regardless. I just don't know where. And where he starts changes the rest of the offensive line. Gotcha. You want to go Fitz or you want me to? I actually I, I I've got a five. Yeah, go ahead. And I, I'm I think just kind of as we've discussed it in, in various formats and things, I, I think I might be pretty close to yours so go ahead and then i'll change if there's anything on my end yeah i got teddy as the starter at left since he's 100 percent full go in camp i've got him there i'm gonna go uh corcoran at left guard i'll go hickson at center i'll go williams at right guard and then i'm gonna go with a surprise and i'm gonna say ben hart is gonna retain that right tackle spot and look a lot better this year that so is, I, I feel like you could flip guards. Well, I thought there. I thought there was talk early in the spring that they were moving Ben Hart inside as well. I just think he's too damn big to play guard. I think he's six nine. I mean, ideally you'd want to guard six five or less. And I just don't know if he's got the feet to pull, but from we'll see. I, I, I still got him as a right tackle, but it, it would be interesting to see him at guard. You know, he's in a phone uh, booth at that point. I've brought him up a couple of times. 
I think he's really forgotten in this conversation on that offensive line is Oklahoma State transfer Hunter Anthony. He's yeah. going to factor in somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm based on his body type. I thought he was a little bit taller than he was or than he is. Um, I could see him playing in the rotation on that on that interior somewhere. I think your interior is the biggest question mark because you've got so many guys that can play there. It's kind of interesting, but Rayla's well, got his work cut out for him. I'll I'll tell you this, and you guys know this too. Everything that we're hearing, uh, you know, just from the mindset standpoint, for the first time, I'm not going to be as worried if somebody does go down. Um, Crazy I, to say, isn't it? Yeah, and my my favorite part about what Ryle has done, at least from what I've heard, is I've said it probably 15, 20 times. It's not just the best five guys out there because those best five guys the last three years weren't always the best at the position that they were play, put in. So it sounds like to me you're learning one, maybe two positions. You're getting really good at those. And you kind of have an assignment where you're not going to move positions in the middle of the game because Teddy tore his ACL. That yeah. changed the game against Michigan, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. You're going to know your position. Um, and and that's that's what you'll be an expert in. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. It, I, I think your right and left guard can flip, but your right left tackle can't. Your center can't. So no, it's so, totally different footwork at the tackle positions. So where is let's just because I Zach, I'm right. Those were my five left to right, exactly the same. Um, the Cor- Corcoran one is still a little bit of that wild card, uh, as you said. But let's I'm going to bring up three names and just kind of let me know does it does it strike a chord do you think they they make an impact do they compete for starter too deep um i'm just gonna i'll give you three and if there's you know talk about whomever you want um but henry lutovsky ezra miller and ethan piper lutovsky is my guy um i've loved i've loved him since they got him in that recruiting class i think it was two years ago now um, if Corcoran isn't healthy for camp, Latovsky's my pick at the guard spot. So does he slide in? I mean, he's he's tall he's, as well. He's six six. Does he is he an inside guy? He is. Um, I I think he's I think he's gonna make a great guard. And I know that's gonna kind of contradict what I said of being an interior guy being six five or less. But he I, plays I, short. He plays with a lower center of gravity. Yeah, he's he doesn't play like a giant guy. I mean, he's 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 a he's in the phone booth, um, and he's he's beautiful there when he's on poles. Great footwork. Um, so I think Latovsky is going to be right there, and I I think he's going to get a lot of play time this year. Ezra Miller, um, I don't think we'll see anything, but Piper, I do. I think we'll. I think Piper's mm-hmm. going to put up a fight for a spot. Well, and and then you've got. Um, Bando too, who's getting you know the names popping up. It's popped up from 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 guests uh, players that we've had. Um, you know, it's it really. I think I think it was Drake that said it. You're not worried about it as much. The depth, right? You, there's not a oh, how much are we going to drop off because you know this guy had to to go out because his helmet got popped off from a defensive hands to the face that wasn't called by the big 10 officials, you know, those sorts of things. It makes you, it does make it a little bit more comfortable to, to swallow that. Um, Oh, here comes the next guy. Let's just, let's keep going. So uh, that's, it's, it's a great question though. That's a just kind of projecting that it's, 
you know, and I know we'll kind of get into this later on too, but that's obviously a big, big deal uh, with training camp moving on. Yep. I kind of want to touch on what you talked about. You just said big 10 referees and I want to bring this up. Should we count how many snaps a big 10 offense has against Nebraska before there's a holding penalty this year? Don't you remember? I think it was 2019. It had gone over a season and a half and it was like over a hundred and some odd offensive snaps before a penalty was called. Yeah, I think it was one of the longest streaks I've ever seen. And I, I didn't realize I think it's the longest that. in NCAA history. Yeah, That was one of them, too, that lost, even Lust was pointing it out and kind of got into that, got some traction on that. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they put the graph. It was against Purdue, I think, 2019. They put the graphic up. Um, I'm curious where it is now because you can look at almost every play and there's a hold. Somebody on Twitter this week, and I'm sorry for not giving you credit because I can't think of the name. It's okay. They, I'm right here. They showed a <laughs> they showed a highlight of of our two returning inside linebackers against I think it was Oklahoma. And Rhymers came all the way across the formation, dodged two blocks, made a huge tackle on third. Michigan short. State. Yeah, Michigan State. Yep, but I remember that play now. Hen- Henrich was being held like a son of a bitch right in front of the umpire. And umpire like didn't even reach for the flag. There's times where like you see him reach for the flag, but it didn't affect the play, so they refused to call it. I can live with that. But this is right in front of you in the middle of the play, and you just accept it. 377 snaps, zero opponent holding penalties uh, for Nebraska. Um, They also went 21 straight Big Ten games, 2016 to 18, uh, without a single hold called on on their opponent, um, and this information was provided from uh, by Pick Six Previews, uh, which is a which is a great follow uh, on the old Twitter box if you're not if you're not already doing that. I and it was you know it's one of those things that as soon as it was mentioned, lo and behold, what do you get? Back to back holding calls against Purdue. Uh, well, and it was Minnesota too. So whether it was. You know, a couple different streaks that were were broken, but yeah, it's it's amazing um, that 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 it could go that long, and you know we and the, but the joke was, which hopefully there's I think there's a couple questions we might be able to segue in, into this one is, you know, to be fair, sometimes were the Huskers getting the greatest push defensively? No, no. Were they create? And you've got to create some of those calls. Um, and I'm hoping that's what there's going to be a, a stark, stark contrast to that this year. Yeah. And Fitz, you bring up a great point. Like the push Thank matters, you. right? The push matters. I had a coach, I had several coaches when I was playing basketball in both high school and college, you know, our team, our team in high school would get bullied and, you know, we're did you not talk to a, Did you guys talk to counselors? No, I mean, cause we you don't athletic. want, I mean, that's, we don't want to bully people. We weren't, we weren't athletic and, uh, you know, we, the other team would be in the bonus all the time. We would never get calls and our coach would just flat out tell us. And I had an official tell us you guys aren't athletic enough to deserve the calls, which I think is just a bad opinion from an official fouls a foul, but there, there is something to that with what you're saying on the defensive side of the ball. I know Zach. I'm white. I'm tall, gangly, and white. Of course, I'm not fucking athletic. All right. Well, now, now that you said it, I don't have to, and I'm so glad you did. 
we'll go ahead and clip that and that will become minus the language unfortunately god absolutely just, not we're gonna leave that in you guys, uh i'm so gangly that even if i was good at dancing it would look bad that's why i don't dance sorry babe for the wedding i'm not gonna dance i'd actually love to watch you dance i think that'd be more more funny than anything else um Wyatt asked Elaine when, Elaine. <laughs> uh, when are we going to hold the first Husker Twitter tailgates and why is it going to be the Oklahoma game I'm going to be down there for the Oklahoma game so yeah so the Oklahoma game is going to be tough for us to throw our you know Church of the Corn Twitter tailgate unless you're the only one down there because Fitz and I will be in studio yep I will um, be the only one down there Unless we can work out a way to do a remote from from the tailgate spot. Yeah, that'd be interesting. We'd have to figure something out with that. I guess we'd probably have to start figuring that out probably now. Uh, but why I, I've been a big proponent of trying to get uh, a Church of the Corn, you know, style tailgate. We had talked about doing it for the spring game. We just weren't able to pull it off. Um, if you know anybody that has a tailgate that wants to let us sponsor it, We'll throw something together. Let us know. Perfect. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, are any are any of the first, are any of the other two first games going to be a night game? No, I guarantee not. I could see well, Georgia Southern maybe maybe a being a game. six. Yeah, just to get people down there. Um, let's see. What are the odds of now we already went over that one? Uh this is a good one. Uh Prince of Pessimism says, Will Anthony Grant be the next Wandale Robinson? Why or why not? No. Great. I'll you wanna, you wanna fucking I'll, expand on I'll, that? I'll, what I'll is he but okay, break that down though. What is he? That's that's what that's does what he, I mean is you could mean that up for the are you talking transferring? Are you talking transferring? You're talking playing out of position. Are you taught? I mean, this is where I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. That's the beauty um, of this question. It can be whatever you make of it. It's like a storybook here. I'm going to say no. The answer of who the next Wandale is in terms of role should go to Ramir. Um, now, Wandale's role was terribly mismanaged while he was here. I think the he, idea of what they wanted him to be able to do is great but they didn't have the pieces around him to put him in the necessary scenarios. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I think Anthony Grant's going to be a great <laughs> running back, but I don't think he's going to be the quote unquote duck R where we're using him. Like we were supposed to use Wandale similar to Rondale Moore. That's just not going to happen. Anthony Grant is, I, I would, I would go as far as say he's a prototypical three down back. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he has the ability to catch. Um, you know, it's not his hands maybe right now aren't as good as Ramir. Um, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go another direction though. When you talked about that duck R, you talked about that Wandale, to be honest, that could be somebody more like Alante Brown. Um, and, but the thing is, it's not lining Alante Brown or as they did Wandale Robinson in, in the, the backfield. backfield when it's, you know, when it's third and two, you know, on the five yard line and the, you know, you've got the wall across from you. You're not, you're not getting through there. What, what I keep thinking back to the all American game that Wandale Robinson played in, he caught essentially just a jailbreak screen and, and took it. He got popped pretty good, 
but he was, he was, you know, moving around a little bit, caught it, got out of some traffic and went. That's what Husker fans envisioned his use being, right? Some slants, some of those screens, popping stuff and, and going. Well, he gets into the backfield, take whatever he want, whether he needed a certain amount of touches, maybe they didn't have any other options, but so much of that went against what his use should have been and could have been. And then you throw in the, and we've, we've talked about this too, the inaccuracy sometimes of those quick throws from the, from the quarterback, it, it just created a, a no win situation in that whole, in that whole thing. Yeah. I think I, in my opinion, Wandale should have been a 10 touch guy a game, but it should have been like six catches and four runs. Um, and obviously if you're getting more touches, that's great. But the majority of his touches should have been on a reception where he's out in space and getting to use his athleticism. I love the Elante Brown comparison. I think, I think that's a great, um, great guy who could fill that in. I don't think he winds up in the backfield more than two to three times a game, if ever. Well, I don't, you don't, you don't have to, and I'm going to, I'm going to send it over to Zach here, but you don't have to, you've got a deep running back room. You have a, you know, once we get healthier, a little bit healthier on the in the tight end room, it, it's a deep tight end room of guys that mm-hmm. haven't shown it yet, but are capable of producing. And then the wide receiver room, let them play the position. That's and that's what I think. I don't think we're going to see as many gimmicks. You know, that's a bigger, longer conversation anyway. But Zach, what do you think? Do you have is is Anthony Grant the next Wandale to recap? And then if he's not, and we're kind of looking at that you know, Swiss army knife of, of football guys. Is there somebody on the roster that you could, you would put in there if you had to? No, cause I don't think uh, Anthony Grant's going to play wide receiver. Um, okay. I, I think Anthony Grant's probably right now. It may be the most complete back on the roster based on his film from, from Juco and what he could do. Now I, I get it. It's Juco and he's taking a giant step to the next level. He still put up 1,700 yards and got MVP status at his college. Um, He's a guy that can do everything. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball inside, outside. He can also block. So I think if if Whipple could get a guy like him to play almost like a – I think this is one of the best uh, all-purpose backs of all time, but like an Edger and James kind of role where he's doing a little bit of everything – I think that's the best case scenario for him. Um, I think, uh, I, I think, Wondell I don't think he can do that. No, I, I mean, I think, I think Ramir wins. And this, I, I should have said this when we've talked about this before. The reason I have Ramir winning the starting job for game zero is because the change in this offensive philosophy seems to be a little bit more pass heavy. And Ramir, by all accounts, was the was the best pass blocking um, running back. And until Anthony Grant gets to that level, I'm not saying he's not. He just hasn't had the opportunity. He's to the unknown it. at this point. Yeah, he hasn't had. The he's just going to bring up the pass blocking. So that's that's a great call. It just we hadn't it hadn't come up yet. Yeah. Um. It's just kind of that we look at the running, we look at the catching, we look at you know speed and and on and on and on. But that, I think that pass blocking is a great. That's a great determining factor that could lead Ramir onto the field maybe quicker than you know an Anthony Grant uh, even yeah. Yant Yant struggled a little bit in that area and he wasn't able to be on the field as often 
And that was a given and it was a known fact. So hopefully that that improves as well. And I don't think I was just going to say real quick to finish. I don't think Apple White's going to let these guys get away with not being able to pass block. Right. No, totally. And, uh, you know, shout out to Husker Logan again. This kind of came up in his Twitter space on Friday. Um, you know, part of the reason Yant, in my understanding, from murmurs we've heard, part of the reason he didn't get the run that everybody wanted him to because he runs the way Nebraska fans want him to run is because he couldn't pick up pass plays. Or he, I mean, I don't remember. It was the game after Northwestern, whichever game that was. He, it was a run play to him and he ran the wrong way. And Adrian Martinez had to take a sack because Yant wasn't where he needed to be to take the handoff. So you expect way more from Yant, but I do remember Ramir um, in the Michigan game. He sacrificed his body for some great pass blocks. And then he leaked out on that wheel route for a touchdown when he made it look like he was pass blocking. I just think that's his element that gives him the edge up over everybody. That's where he excels, really. Yeah, I, I guess when you put it like that, Ramir would probably be the guy I'll put in there as well. Um, I, I think very highly of Ramir and, and his skill set. So uh, if I had to say someone's going to be in the Wandel role, I'll kind of go with that for Ramir. But I, I do think Anthony Grant's just someone that's completely different and will fill a completely different skill set. So I think Anthony Grant has the highest ceiling out of all the backs on, on that roster. Yeah. Um, Outside of AJ Allen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll agree with you there. Just cause how, he's a true freshman. Yeah. How fast can he pick up the system? How fast can he excel in the pass block? Um, and, you know, I, I do see a world with this staff kind of going back to Alante Brown lining up in the backfield once in a while. I see a Alante Brown, or even a Brody belt sliding into the backfield in motion for a triple option with um, Anthony Grant or Yant being the read guy. Kind of, you know, what Scott used to do at Oregon. Since you brought up this staff, uh, I'll just tie this question on there. Um, do you think the points per game for Nebraska is more than 40 this year? No, I don't. And I'm just going to put it on – hundred percent the other big 10 offenses to put up 40 points a game both both offenses need to be humming um that's part of the reason i dislike the big 10 the games are so it, to me the game just moves so much slower because it's you know we're all always going back to the huddle and we're running two to three times and then we're either throwing or running again um a, a, apart from a couple of teams it's just a slower moving conference they would have to. They would have to uh, score uh, thirteen points more per game this year than they did last year to get to that forty mark. Um, I mean, we you break this down. You know how many how many points were left on the field last year? I I believe even getting to that twenty seven number and a lot of that 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 was inflated by what they did to uh, Northwestern, but just think about missed field goals, you know, just think about their goal line inefficiency, um, you know, in the red zone, inefficient, getting, having to go for it and not getting them just lost, lost downs that are then turned into lost points. I, I would safely say that they could have easily been closer to, to that 35 points last year per game. 
So I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could get, they could average more than 40. When you, when I break it down in my, you know, that way, it, I can convince myself that uh, it's, it's actually possible. I think the only team to average over 40 points has been Ohio State. So I'm going to say not a chance in hell. Um, I, I think we're going to live in 35 to 38. I do. I don't think we get to 40. I also think, I mean, some of those points were in garbage time. I know we only lost games by one score, but we had to mount comebacks in a couple of those games to make it that close. I just, I think this offense is going to use some of that short pass game to, to create ball control. We're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to actually have less possessions per game this year. Next question, boys. From Marshall Norton, uh, what percentage of the time will Casey Thompson be under center versus shotgun this year? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he'll be under shotgun when they're on offense. Hundred percent of the time, he'll only be he'll be on shotgun when they're on offense. No, um, I I think we're gonna see. I, I don't know, 60, 40, I think 40% under, uh, 60% uh, in the gun. Um, I don't know. I, I'd, I guess I'd like to see more traditional under the center. Um, you know, you, you, you can disguise some things a little bit better, uh, gives his timing. Um, you know, I don't know what, what do you think? Oh, you know, uh, Whipple is a pass heavy guy ish. Um, I, I think, and he, and he likes to mold his offense to his players and their strengths. Well, I, I know at Texas, uh, Thompson was mainly in the gun. Um, obviously, sometimes in your short yardage, you get into the eye. Sometimes you still sit in the fucking shotgun. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of shotgun. I would say for Purdy, he's probably going to be in the shotgun about 75% of the time. Um, 25 in the um, other assorted plays. So I'll go 75-25 for the you notice shotgun. how he switched Purdy in there for uh Thompson. Yeah, it's subtle. it's not even subtle anymore. Um, it's just damn right, downright blatant. God, I can't wait till I'm right and everybody else is wrong. So I'm also at the 75-25. Uh, but I think there's some extenuating circumstances. If we have a six nine guy playing on the inside of the line and Casey Thompson's 5'10, 5'11, I think we're back there 85% of the time just so he doesn't have to drop and see over that line while the play is developing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say 75-25 with, depending on how that offensive line shakes out, it going down to 60-40 with Fitz or even 85-15. The offensive line is going to answer a lot of that. And ultimately, who does win that quarterback battle? Uh, let's see. Greg. Greg's got a good one. It's going to make you boys think a little bit. What's one position that will be better than last year and one position that'll be worse? I think the worst one for me is pretty easy. I think it's going to be secondary just with what you lose. And I'll even narrow it down more. And I'll say, I want to say safety, but I'll say your cornerbacks. Okay. Fitz, um, what do you, who do you, who's going to be better? Um, honestly, let's stick on the worst. Let's stick on the worst. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Let's just, go, I, go around. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna counterpoint that. 
And it's, it's just, there's a lot of talk, even just this last couple of days. So you're talking Newsom, right? There's one corner and Hill is the other corner. They've moved Omar Brown into safety. Yep. Um, I, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I get what he's saying because it's, you're replacing guys that were so good, right? Back there, um, in a, in a way, but I don't know. I, I just don't know if there's going to be, you know, you could parse that out, but I don't know if it's going to be that big of a drop off. Um, are, are you, who do you think will be the, the two corners then to start? I think Hill's one of them. And then I think it's probably Newsom's your other one. Um, okay. and, and then from Keep there, mind if really we're going depends. four two five, there's going to be three of them. That's, that's kind of what I was, I was saying is it really depends on what you're going to do. And actually that's going to be another question that we got asked um, about our defensive alignment this upcoming year. Um, if you're running that peso, that four two five, that's that's what I just call peso. Um, yeah, it it does switch a lot of things up because you could put three safeties on the field. You've got that nickel on the field. It really depends on who that piece is that you can switch in and out. You know, so who maybe I think the- is going to fill that is Miles Farmer. I think Miles Farmer is great with that. I think by all accounts, he's the best cover guy in man in that safety room. He's long. He's lanky. He's had a couple of big games already. So I think he wins that peso job. Well, and you, you you look at that. You look at those three D uh, three corners. Like you know, they're all DBs. We get it. But those three corners, or but now, if you have Omar Brown, who they moved over to that safety room, for lack of a, a better way to state it. Um, but if he's that good at corner as well, now he's in a he's a dual role player. And so, depending on what they're trying to do, but that that could be a guy that doesn't have to come off the field and he's playing safety. He's now he's he's covering as a as a cornerback. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. That's, they've got they've got a lot of talent, but yeah. they've got a lot to prove yeah. with you know some big losses too. But no, and and I and I I can't argue that that the DBs is a is a is a position that could you know be worse than this year than it was last year. That's a that's a great call, uh, Drake. What's your position that's going to be worse this year than last year you know i hate to do it because i think the rest of that unit is going to be so much better but i think center is going to be worse than it was last year um you have you just lost an nfl center who had never played center before coming to nebraska uh i just i hope i'm wrong i just i don't think there's a center on that team that's going to be able to play as mean and as fast and nimble as Jurgens did, because he was a con- converted tight end. Um, you know, we always love to talk about what he did to the Oklahoma guy where he got called for the penalty. I don't see any offensive lineman that's going to be playing center this year, being able to do things like that regularly. I'm going to stay just right on the that same side of the ball, and it's uh, two two prong here. Number one, it's because who left and that production that it's gone. And number two, it's the player that right now is projected to replace didn't have a lot of stats last year. And now the, there's a lot of injuries in that room and it's tight end, um, you know, trying trying to fill what Austin Allen was able to do. Now, the other side of it is with fewer opportunities as well. They just didn't utilize that tight end as much as I think they could have or should have. 
Uh, but I think we're going to see, unfortunately, we're going to see a drop until we start to get some of these guys healthy. I'd love for, for this one to, to be, I'd be completely wrong and, and blow up in my face and Vokalek, for example, step up. You've got some, you've got a lot of guys there that have the potential. Um, I just don't know if it's can be as good as it was with, with Allen kind of leading the charge last year. Yeah. That's a great point too, Fitz. Like, Obviously, that tight end room has a ton to prove. I think they have the most to prove besides the offensive line. That being said, I do remember when Bokalek transferred to Nebraska, multiple Big Ten outlets had compared him to a Gronkowski. Uh, we just haven't had the opportunity to see it. I, uh, I, I'm right. Th- that was my my one B for the position group. If those guys get healthy, and we start to utilize that tight end room. I think that tight end room is going to far outproduce any tight end room we've ever had. Who's uh, who's going to be better for you, Zach? What's um, the position? I, you know, I, you could go really easy here and say edge rusher. Um, I feel like you could say linebacker. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the running back room. Um, I think Applewhite has got that running back room where he wants it um, with guys that fit what he wants them to do. Um, we've got a guy that's that's experienced in dealing with those types of players back there. Um, so I'm going to go with the running back room, and, and it's because of Coach Applewhite and what he's going to be able to have those running backs able to do to um, contribute to the scheme. That's who you got. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going quarterback. Um, I I was going to go quarterback, but I wanted to go running back. Yeah, I figured and someone I, else. And I know it. it's that it's the prototypical low hanging fruit in a way, but I just I just think the the consistency I believe is going to be a little bit better, especially in the in the in the passing game. I would love for the running back room, like you just said, to take that away from from Thompson. Yeah, I said Thompson is the is the starter, so that we don't we're not depending on that was very rude, Zach. Depending on his legs, like we were depending on on Martinez's legs, and so that's where that's where I think we're going to see a a quarterback playing quarterback versus a running back sometimes playing quarterback. Yeah, or a quarterback just having to go out there and play backyard football with no no real scheme. Um, yeah, I love both of those picks. Um, I think I'm, I'm not going to go with this group, but I think the running back room, the quarterback room, the tight end room, I think all of that getting better depends on the offensive line, right? Uh, Improved offensive line fixes a lot of those problems. I'm not going with the offensive line though, because that's a given. If you pick the offensive side of the ball, I'm muting you for the rest of this conversation. I'm going with the wide receivers. Um, obviously under Scott Frost, we've had a couple of guys who had big years, Samari Toure, JD Spielman, Stanley Morgan, all had big years under these guys, but I think we're going to have multiple guys have a big year this year. Um, I think, I think Whipple's scheme with what Joseph has been able to do and produce at other levels tells me those wide receivers are going to be huge. I don't know that we have a guy go for a thousand yards this year, which is weird because we're kind of counting down to that the last three years with whoever the top guy is. I think we have six or seven guys with 500 yards or, you know, 
400 yards and three touchdowns. I'm, I'm going to lump Thomas Fedoni in with the wide receivers. He's not going to be much of a blocking tight end, obviously. So I, I think the wide receivers are going to also be one of the more improved groups. Well, I got uh, one last question for you boys. What, and this goes back to the defense called setting up uh, suspense. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing there. Um, Cliffhanger end of show. <laughs> yep. That's Catch it. Next week. <laughs> um, switching to the defensive side of the ball. What do you guys think about the switch? It seems like in a scheme from going from a 34 to a 43, or at least an, an odd front to an even front from what we've got coming on and, and what we've seen. What do you guys think about that? Fitz, I'll let you start. I don't think it's a true four three to be honest with you, or a three four. No, um, I don't. I mean, there'll be times I can't imagine we're going to see all four guys with their hand in the ground very often, type of thing. And I, you know, if you want to, a lot of you know your um, your diehards are going to look at that, and if their hands not in the ground, they're not going to call them. You know that the four there, but I, I I think the change. Yeah, what the fuck, Mike Farrell is. <laughs> the fact that putting all four of those guys there, but calling it that and going to that even number and getting all of the guys, the edge and the interior all under Dawson's watch, um, coaching terminology, stuff like that. I think that's where, you know, it's a big, that's a big deal. Um, you know, it, it, it almost is before. And, and I know this term's thrown around a lot that the idea of bend, not break. And I think we're now, switching that and becoming the attacker on, on defense with this, with this setup. I know it's not, you know, completely answering your question, but um, if you're giving those edges a little bit more freedom and if they're, if they're actually attacking off, off that edge and causing guys to, you know, stay in a little bit longer and not getting to the linebackers, those linebackers can get a little bit downhill faster. They can read a little bit easier um, makes things maybe a little bit more predictable as well. So um, I, I like the, I like the idea of the four. I like, you know, and the, you, you brought it up earlier too. the, you know, is it a four, two, five, the peso, is it going to be a four, you know, four, three, four, what, what are we looking at? Uh, I just, I love the fact that we've got guys that Mathis, Nelson, um, Jamari Butler, uh, just the list goes on of some guys that could come in and wreak havoc, uh, hopefully on, on the end, uh, Drake, what say you? I, I totally agree. Um, I agree with everything you guys have said. I, I don't think it's going to be four guys hand in the dirt. Um, I think we're going to see much more of a multiple style front where, you know, sometimes those edge guys are playing a little off the screen to off the line of scrimmage to, you know, delay the rush or whatever. Um, but I love that just the fact that we're going to have four guys that are designed they're built physically. Their their role is to get into the backfield, create ha- havoc any way they can. Um, and I, I've been vocal about this. I don't know that O'Shawn Manth- Mathis gets double digit sacks, but I think our team gets way more sacks than last year because he drives them over towards Garrett Nelson or Jamari Butler. Um, and I also love it because. We're gonna. Ha- it's one less lane for that quarterback to throw that that shallow drag to. Um, when you're only rushing three, 
or you're rushing three and a smaller linebacker, that lane gets pretty big. Um, so it's going to, it's going to create some smaller throwing lanes, especially if those all, guys are always playing tall with their hands up, trying to bat down passes. Uh, my favorite part about all of it though, Pitts, you touched on it is getting all those guys in the same room. Um, I've gone back and watched a couple of games from last year where it looks like whoever's on the edge is trying to communicate to those guys on the line to shift or slant their rush. And those guys on the line aren't listening because they're not in the same position group. So they, they might not understand everybody's assignment for what that guy's seeing. So getting all those guys on the same page, I think is going to be huge and improve our run defense and our, you know, our pass rush. Yeah, whatever gets your best 11 on the field at this point, I'm, I'm good with. Um, and that edge rusher room is so deep that however you can get those guys on the field, you got to do it. Um, whether that be all four of them on the field or all five of them on the field at the same time, uh, Janander himself said he's it's up to him to figure out a way to get those guys on the field. Um, I definitely think they'll do it this year. Um, I think that room is going to be very productive, probably. I think it's safe to say the most productive under Frost. I mean, it hasn't been very productive, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But I'm excited to see what they do this year. Um, it's insane the amount of talent they've accumulated. And it's insane how consistent the defensive side of the ball has been when everyone wanted Shenander gone the first yeah. year. So. Oh, for sure. Um, is that it for fan questions? Yeah, I was just going to tie everything up. and. Well, I got a, I got a question that I want to send you guys out on. Um, you know, Jeffrey the Greek said it, and I think Dustin Trudy has said it on our podcast a couple of times. Iron sharpens iron. We are always the most intriguing team in the Big Ten. With that being said, which Big Ten team are you most intrigued by and watching closest other than Nebraska throughout fall camp? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I wish we would have known about this before, I would have thought about it more. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna go right across the river. I'm gonna say Iowa. Um, I want to see. I'm not worried about what the defeat the what the defense is going to be. It's going to be elite. I already know that. Special teams wise, it's going to be great again. Um, it's funny someone earlier today said I talk too much about Iowa anyway. Sorry, um, but I'm interested to see what that quarterback room looks like and the offensive line if they can. If the rest of that line can improve like they're supposed to, even taking a Linderbaum out of the equation sets up for a dangerous team. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see what they can do this year. Great. Go ahead. I'm honestly still kind of narrowing this down. I've got a couple of reasons for a few, and I'm going to try to get it down to one. Go ahead. Um, you can go with either school in Michigan. Um I, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota, partly because I hate P.J. Fleck. But there's some unknown with how that offense is going to look. Um, last time they had this offensive coordinator, you know, they were putting up right around 39 points a game. They were, they were darn near elite, and they got, they got some new talent. So Check the Minnesota breakdown. Yeah, definitely check the Minnesota <laughs> breakdown. I, I think Tanner Morgan is poised to have a big year if they have some guys step, out, step up at wide receiver. Finish this off here, Fitzy. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going back and forth. Like I said, um, I I think I'm going to be more interested in kind of seeing 
and, and I guess diving in and checking some things out uh, with Wisconsin. Um, more, more on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we know that labor law violations for Bray. Well, Bray yeah, Lynn Bray, Allen. you, yeah, Bray Lynn Alex, that's great timing. Um, you know, we know he's going to be a stud and they've got, you know, they, they continue, just continue to, to roll through offensive linemen to do a good job in, in what we see. But you look at the quarterback position, uh, check the checking the tight end. You never quite know what the receivers are going to look like, but you know, I, I think if, if they even struggle a little bit on defense and there's reports, you know, let's say reports come out that they're, you know, it's just not looking like it did last year. That really starts to open up then uh, the top of the West for sure. And gives uh, a few more teams uh, a little bit more confidence probably going, going forward. So uh, Wisconsin would, is my, is my one um, Purdue really is my, my one B um, we've had lengthy discussions about them. Uh, Twitter on here. Uh, the fact that they could go three and nine is as easily as they could go nine and three. So uh, I, I'm going to cheat and take both of those. My one B is Northwestern just because they're game one week zero to me. That's the most important game of the season. Um, Cause you got to start off on a right foot against them. Can't, can't argue with that logic. Nope. I love it. Uh, I did forget. I was supposed to give a shout out to big red fan club. Uh, so giving them a shout out, maybe we could do something with them and you know, all the players all at once in the future. I feel like that would be a great thing. Hint, hint, wink, wink, big red fan club. Um, Get at us. Yeah. Just in case anybody doesn't know, that's where you can uh, support the players directly. Um, it, it's pretty cool. The concept that they got going on. Uh, I do think there's still some uh, memberships left. So check them out on Twitter. Uh, I think it's just at big red fan club NE. So Give them a check out and uh, enjoy all that cool stuff there. Uh, boys, anything else? Or I'm just going to kick you guys out here for the night. We've already been here for an hour. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And the fact of the matter is every time we do a podcast, we're getting closer and closer to that first Saturday kickoff in, in Ireland. And boy, am I ready. And I think I can speak for all, all college. I'm not even just going to say Husker fans. I think the, the fact of the matter is that every person that loves college football is going to be watching that game. Yep. just to watch a college football game. And I'm Nebraska, excited to watch the Hall yeah. of Fame game, so that tells you how excited I'm going to be for that game. <laughs> a little little pre- NFL preseason. <laughs> uh, I may bet on it, too. We'll see. <laughs> All right, boys. Let's tie off for the night for Fitz, Drake, myself. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everyone. See you, buddy. Members of the congregation, Let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.